Hey everyone, welcome to Neighbor Science, the only podcast about political economy and anime. I'm Ryan Salisbury. I'm Chris Nivens. We are back uh, after a week. Uh, I'm just going to say that it was because of the flu, because I had the flu. Yeah. Um, that's totally not the reason that we originally decided to take a break, but yeah. uh, that happened to that happened. move things along. Yeah. Um, there was some... Uh, some ice on the ground mm-hmm. and everything mm-hmm. just you know didn't we, didn't work out we made so, use of fine. our flex time yeah we're know? a little yeah. late yeah you know you don't pay anything for the podcast so right. who cares yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and uh so today we're talking about uh the thing that's been in the news uh governor north wearing blackface <laughs> <laughs> that's what this shit. is all about um uh, how God. does this fit into political economy you ask <laughs> well how does it not <laughs> uh no today we're talking about venezuela um if you weren't already sick of the place yeah the other thing that's been in the news um which there's more news about today uh which we will mm-hmm. get to um so as we all know um maduro uh, not the legitimate president of Venezuela. We're coming down no. hard on that. We he are is, uh, fully against Maduro. Uh, we support uh, Guaido. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we are fully with uh, Trump and the CIA and yeah. John Bolton. It would be foolish not to be. Yeah, that's the principled leftist stance yes. is <laughs> is actually being <laughs> in favor of regime <laughs> change in Latin America. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, no, it's so. <laughs> I can't even I can't even uh, keep the bit up for for very long. Um, so we know that the uh, that the U.S. is opposed to socialist governments in Venezuela, uh, but uh, like how how against them are they? Well, mm. as it turns out, they're really crazily against Venezuela, like weirdly against. Yeah, yeah. Um, they've been wanting regime change for at least since the Bush administration. Mm-hmm. Um, and during the Bush administration, um, in 2004, uh, the U.S. helped facilitate a coup against the president of Haiti, um, which pissed off the then president of Venezuela, Chavez, the yeah, true president Hugo of Chavez. Venezuela. Yes. <laughs> Who Dear I didn't realize. Chavez. <laughs> I forgot, like, what a firecracker he is. Oh, yeah. Uh, for this spicy Chavez. coup, he called... Uh, <laughs> He called Bush the devil, and uh, this was at the UN, and uh, he said that the podium that he was speaking at, which had been used by the day before by Bush, uh, still smelled of sulfur, (laughs) Um, and he later said that Obama had the same stench (laughs) as Bush, Um, and uh, the other major thing that I want to point out is in 2005, uh, Pat Robertson, the famous uh, televangelist, (laughs) what are you doing? You wrote something wrong. Oh, okay. Uh, Pat Robertson called for Chavez's assassination publicly on TV. Yeah, holy shit. Which, like, I mean, uh, Pat Robertson is a fucking nut job, but that's still yeah, like, like a lot. That's yeah. It seems like a lot to get away it's with. Like, you should murder him. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, we only murder aristocrats. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, as we all know, Chavez uh, died in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, and was replaced by uh, his, I think it was his finance minister, Maduro. Mm, I think that's right. Yeah. Or foreign affairs minister. Some, one of the mm. ministers. He was a minister. Minister. Yeah. Um, so Maduro has been uh, president since uh, 2012. And uh, unlike Chavez, uh, he has not been as popular. Mm. Um, 
However, uh, you know, the opposition party uh, that is currently um, ruling the National Assembly, uh, who is trying to install uh, Guaido uh, as president, uh, they aren't very popular either, as Adam Johnson has been pointing out repeatedly. Mm. Uh, they only have a 30% approval rating. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maduro's support is lower than that. Uh, which is surprising. It's hmm. between, it hovers anywhere between 15 and 25%. Hmm. Um, you know, not great, but it's not like the opposition party has like much yeah, higher. Yeah. It seems like rating. in terms of ratings and polling and shit, neither of them really has much of a mandate. The best like, they can say is ours is twice as high. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still yeah. not even minority half. rule. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so, yeah. um, so we all know that there's, uh, you know, all these sanctions on Venezuela. Um, so I'm going to go over those first. Uh, what exactly are the sanctions against Venezuela? So there's a number of executive orders. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest one is Executive Order 13808, which I think was uh, instituted by Obama. Mm. Um, but m- most of the sanctions that are currently on Venezuela were by Trump. Um, so... Executive Order 13808 prohibits American investment in any Venezuelan government-owned corporation or security. Hmm. Um, And that basically bars people from trading with Venezuela, like, on a high level. Yeah. Um, Because, as it turns out, the government owns at least 500 companies in Venezuela. So any government-owned company includes, like, a lot of them. Yeah. Hmm. And they, I mean, I have to assume they're not just mom and pops if the government wants to own them at all. You know, yeah. 500 like sizable companies with like stakes involved. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I think that also includes the Banco Central de Venezuela, the BCV, their central bank, mm. um, as well as uh, PDVSA, the um, state owned oil company. So they've been having trouble uh, selling oil and uh, raising funds uh, because of this uh, sanction. Um, President Maduro has explained that the uh, U.S.-based Citibank uh, refused to receive the money uh, Venezuela was depositing for the importation of a huge cargo of insulin for diabetics in the country. Um, mm-hmm. So this is like insulin they had they had already like put up the money for, so they were going to pay for um, that were going to their citizens to you know fulfill a necessary medical need mm-hmm. um but it's been just sitting there in port so that's that's the kind of thing that those sanctions do fucking sanctions man um and in case anyone is unsure like oh you know all this stuff about uh the sanctions you know causing all the economic woes in venezuela come on that's that's got to be an exaggeration right <laughs> um well there is a a q a from the state department um, I don't remember. Uh, it was uh, January of last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, so someone asks, uh, hi, I wanted to ask you if there is a further strategy from the U.S. apart from sanctions to Venezuela, because right now, apparently, they are not seem to be really, really effective. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask if there if you were thinking of about a further strategy not related to sanctions. Um, and the senior State Department official who answered this question says, Our strategy on Venezuela has been extremely effective. Over the last year, we sanctioned more than 50 individuals. The Lima Group has joined this effort and created an additional hemispheric pressure entity on Caracas. 
The Canadian government has also sanctioned individuals in Venezuela. And just last week, the EU joined the international pressure campaign to hold individuals who are violating human rights in Venezuela, who are responsible for anti-democratic practices, and who are robbing the national treasury of the country by imposing their own international sanctions. The pressure campaign is working. The financial sanctions we have placed on the Venezuelan government has forced it to be begin becoming in default, both on Sovereign and PDVSA, its oil company's debt. And what we are seeing is that because of the bad choices of the Maduro regime is a total economic collapse in Venezuela. So our policy is working, our strategy is working, and we are going to keep it on the Venezuelans. So cool. the State Department just straight up admitting, yeah, yes, our strategy is to collapse the Venezuelan economy, right, and right. that's what the sanctions are for. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, of course, you know, so- socialism at work. Yeah. That's Venezuelan socialism yeah. collapsing it's all of the, on its own. All that price fixing <laughs> right. by the government. Right. The interference in the People market. People taking care of each other leads to economic collapse, not yes. the State Department's interventions. Right. Um, and so uh, the sanctions actually uh, have been going even further. Um, <clears throat> so at the Bank of England... Uh, Venezuela had a contract to hold 31 tons of gold at the Bank of England. Uh, mm. This is fairly common for states uh, to do. They have like huge amounts of gold um, in the Bank of England. It's mm-hmm. to like fulfill international financial obligations. So like this is uh, that Scrooge McDuck gold. Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, swimming gold. So 31 tons of gold. Um, I, I didn't. I forgot to look up how much that's worth. If you want to like look it up real quick sure um but it was uh recently in the news that uh maduro tried to repatriate 14 tons of that gold and that the bank of england refused um but despite the perception this is just related to the events of this month um at least by you know someone like me who's just reading about all this stuff um the problem actually goes back to last year um so He's been trying to get this gold back since last year. Uh, October of 2018 mm-hmm. um, was like when, when the news started coming out. And uh, the bank uh, gave two excuses. First, that it's logistically hard. So they said, uh, the plan has been held up. Oh, sorry. Hold on. Uh, I get to speak in English. <laughs> the plan has been held up for nearly two months due to difficulty in obtaining insurance for the shipment <laughs> needed to move a large gold cargo, one of the officials said. <laughs> uh, sorry, that, that was me, just in case you were wondering. Oh, yeah. For I was, my uh, flawless English accent. I actually dissociated <laughs> aggressively as that happened. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm, I'm still having... Um, lingering cough from my flu uh it's english so, cough yeah so you looked um, it up how much is it worth yeah so so if i'm going off of this website i found on answers.com um 31 tons of gold uh is roughly 880 or 881 million dollars as of whichever year this was in i guess 2019 okay so um, almost a billion dollars basically almost a billion dollars okay yeah. and so 14 times that's about half a billion yeah um damn Mm-hmm. Um, pocket change so basically the bank of england is claiming that uh oh we can't uh sorry we can't ship your gold back here because uh the, the insurance company just won't let us do it <laughs> Jesus. um so uh from this article uh which is from bullionstar.com uh they <laughs> oh, say bullion star yeah, yeah, I go yeah all the time it's a website all about gold <laughs> so God they, damn it. they know a lot about gold fucking freaks <laughs> uh, freaks i tell you yeah <laughs> 
Uh, so they say, frankly, this insurance excuse is absurd, chiefly because it was the very same Venezuela that received a flight shipment of an exact similar quantity of 14 tons of gold bars on 30th of January 2012, which was the last flight of its previous gold repatriation shipments when 23 flights airlifted 160 tons of Venezuela's gold from Europe to Caracas between uh, November 2011 and January 2012. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the second excuse is uh, they suspect money laundering, which, like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> well, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, we're just la- uh, laundering money through our official government <laughs> gold bullion <laughs> at the official Venezuelan <laughs> Bank of England account. Yeah, and that's, sounds... that's why we want you to uh, send, you know, 30 flights full of gold <laughs> bars to our country. Because we're, we're trying to hide our money. Yeah, right, right. We don't want you <laughs> to be aware of What the fuck are you this? talking about? It sounds extremely made up. Um... Yeah, so uh, according to the the author, the excuse is both illogical as it is phrased, and it also breaches customer privacy while being illegal under international law to withhold assets based on a suspicion or whim. So not only mm-hmm. are they like making shit up for why they can't send this gold, it, the excuse they're supposedly using is not legal. It's just bad it wouldn't be legal for them wrong. to do that, even if <laughs> it, they had like a legit reason. Uh-huh. Um, so the real reason they refused to transfer the gold is actually because the U.S. government lobbied them to assist in the coup against Maduro. Oh, yeah, nice. So the Bank of England's decision to deny Maduro officials' withdrawal request uh, comes after top U.S. officials, including Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and National Security Advisor John Bolton, lobbied their U.K. counterparts to help cut off the regime from its overseas ac- assets according to one of the people who asked not to be identified, Mm -hmm. which means that the bank of England was slow rolling this process, like in anticipation of this coup in January. Right. Right. Um, and, uh, this, this also relates to us executive order 13850 signed by Trump, which put sanctions on the Venezuelan gold industry. Um, so yeah, that's, that's some pretty cool shit that they're doing there it's, at the Bank of it's England. Literally, just it's just aggression. Yeah, that's all it is. It's just aggression. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> and uh, oh, and speaking of aggression, uh, U.S. troops have been arriving at the Colombian border today. Oh fuck! Yeah. So God damn. There's it. the possibility of an actual invasion oh, coming my from this. Fucking God. Um. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And uh, oh, and the the other thing I, I forgot to mention. Uh, that I was going to mention later on, uh, right, right before we started recording this, mm. I saw that Maduro is actually calling for another election, um, basically to take the wind out of yeah. uh, Guaido's sails. Yeah. Um, so, uh, vote for Maduro, I guess. Yeah. Unless you don't like him. Rock the vote. Uh, and then in which case, <laughs> uh, vote for Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Vote, vote Sanders <laughs> for Venezuela. <laughs> Sanders 2019. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, personally, I'm going to write in Lee Carter uh, for my ballot. Yes. Yeah. So. Lee, Lee Cartes. The absolute boy. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so the, the main thing we're t- going to talk about is the economy of Venezuela because uh, most people ve- know very little about Venezuela mm. and what its mm-hmm. economy is like other than it's the socialist nightmare uh, yeah. that, you know, I mean, the uh, the utopia that every socialist wants. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you just move there, then you'll see what socialism is really like. Yeah. Um, Everyone sharing all the time sounds disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, so you know, obviously, people are starving in the streets. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like a it's like an El Greco painting. There's just people. Uh, just suffering openly, <laughs> bodies twisting everywhere. People's skin is blue. And <laughs> right, goddamn. Um, like Hieronymus Bosch, there's like giant, like weird bird egg people. Yeah, just it, look, it looks like you in half. It looks shit. like the Garden of <laughs> Earthly Delights. There's people yeah, throwing babies like, into like, ah! into pits of fire and just uh, orgies uh, with demons oh, happening. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Horrible. Uh, Torture. Yeah, there's these big. There's big fingers. Pushing out of the earth, <laughs> ripping the ground open, <laughs> exposing a door straight to hell. Yeah, presumably. Um, and that's what happens when you have socialism. Yeah, Venice hella. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, first I want to talk about the top companies in Venezuela because, uh, of course, as we all know, uh, one of the big uh, things that you have in socialism is a bunch of uh, multinational corporations. Yeah, very common um, in socialism. Yeah dealing in in dollars mm-hmm. mostly the bigger uh, the company the communister it gets yeah yeah, yeah especially yeah, as we know especially when uh the the biggest company in your socialist country is also the biggest company in the united states <laughs> yeah. which is cargill cargill <laughs> so the number one company by revenue is cargill to venezuela uh which has a revenue uh it had a revenue last year of 48 trillion uh bolivars sovereign <laughs> fuck how much how many how much gold bullion is that? Oh, God, <laughs> uh, probably uh, one ton. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, and its revenue growth from the previous year was actually twelve thousand five hundred sixty-eight percent. So that's pretty cool. That sounds fake. No, that's that M M&A, and uh, A stuff. Yeah, they probably just acquired a bunch of shit. <laughs> um, Number two in the country. I'm going to go through the top ten com- uh, largest companies. This is all by revenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two is Pharmatoto, mm-hmm. uh, which is one of the largest um, farm. It's the largest pharmacy chain mm-hmm. by revenue. Um, they're also a what's called a hypermercado, uh, which is basically a supermarket. Um, it's it's sort of like a Walmart basically because it's mm-hmm. a pharmacy, uh, supermarket, mm-hmm. and a retail store. Mm-hmm. Their revenue last year was forty-six trillion mm-hmm. uh, bolivars. Uh, their revenue growth, though, was a, a disappointing eight thousand two hundred thirty-eight percent. So that just doesn't cut they it. They should probably you know? just dissolve and liquidate all their yeah. assets because they're not doing too well. Yeah. I think. Yeah, they need to literally murder their employees. Yeah, out of retribution and spite. Yes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and by the way, I'll, I'll point out that uh, this is um, maybe a little bit higher than the rate of inflation. Mm. Uh, which, uh, in capitalist power theory, the rate of inflation is, is essentially the it's like a proxy for the like baseline rate of the growth. Baseline, yeah. yeah, yeah, that you you want to beat. So if they're beating it, they're cool. Yes. Yep. Um, Big surprise. Number three is our favorite company, uh, Coca Cola. Mm-hmm. Coca Cola Femsa de Venezuela. Uh, their revenue was uh, just a mere. Four point seven trillion mm-hmm. bolivars, mm-hmm. and their revenue growth was a laughable seven hundred twenty-two percent. Right, just fucking nothing. Joke. This is child's play. Yeah, yeah. Just, just give up. I multiply seven times over every fucking day. <laughs> <laughs> um, number four is uh, Mary Iancarina. If hmm. I remember correctly, that is also, uh, um, yeah, I think it's also a food and beverage company. Hmm. Uh, their revenue was uh, 1.2 trillion uh, bolivars sovereign. Uh, their revenue growth was 1,089 percent. So they actually grew faster than Coca-Cola, but they're still behind mm. in terms of revenue. 
Um, Got their eye on that third spot. Yeah. Yeah. Number five is uh, Supermercados Unicasa. Revenue, one trillion boulevards. Uh, revenue growth, 1,008%. Uh, so they're, they're doing well in growth. But mm-hmm. uh, again, uh, you know, you, you got to spend money to make money. So right. uh, they're just not, they're not doing it. That's why I'm not making any money. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the rest of them, I didn't write down the revenue because it's all below a trillion and that, yeah. that's boring. It's Who boring. cares if it's not above a trillion? Yeah. Uh, so number six that's is back down to Grubstaker's territory. You yeah. Know, <laughs> the boring shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they can talk about the billionaires. We'll talk about the trillionaires. trillionaires. Um, <laughs> so number six is Bonesco. Um, I think, uh, again, a food and beverages company. Um, number seven is Banco Provincial, uh, which is a commercial bank. Uh, number eight is Benequipe, uh, which is a, it's a company that sells cat equipment, like, like cat, the mm. company that makes all like the construction toys, equipment. Um, little sleeping pens and yeah, the little tube little thingies, cat trees, and, right, right, cat yeah, trees. little scratchy things, right, the scratchy, so like claw up your furniture, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's the kind of stuff and they sell. Like <laughs> the feather on the cord thing, that's cool. That delicious cat food that who, we all enjoy, right? Who could have imagined that you know a a cat equipment company would ever beat out a dog equipment company? Yeah, God, yeah, but the revenue is only around eight hundred billion boulevards, <laughs> so. Yeah, but what's that in, you, you know, know, cat treats? Uh, probably like like 10 or 12 cat treats, I would yeah. say. That's that's fair. That's a fair. They don't have many cats in Venezuela because they're eating them all because they're all starving mm-hmm. in the street. God, that's dark. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, number nine is Mercantil Servicios Financieros, which is, um, I'm not quite sure... But based on the name, I'm going to guess that it's a financial services company. Good thing Latin is pervasive in European languages. Uh, and number 10 is Banco de Venezuela. That is not the same as Banco Central de Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's pretty close. It's, mm-hmm. it's the fringe bank of Venezuela. Right. Um, so basically, like, uh, food and beverage companies uh, are doing the best by far in the company uh, or in the country. Interesting. <laughs> Yeah, the the company of Venezuela. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, again, Cargill, which is the largest company in Venezuela by revenue, is also the largest company in the U.S. by revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also just fun fact. We we might we, we might want to cover it someday, but uh, Cargill is also the largest private company in the world. Yeah. Wow. Um, hmm. So it's not even it's not even publicly traded. It's just owned by one wow. family. Wow. Um, yeah, you know the family business. So you're saying it's bigger than anything that Trump owns? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> and we should probably tell him about that. Uh, we should. I, I don't know. We might want to just take it easy on him. <laughs> Poor bastard. He's been having a rough week. Well, you know, I mean, I just think. you know, he has the power to roll tanks into the Cargill offices <laughs> if he feels threatened. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe we should we tell could, him then. Maybe we could just fuck around and start a um, a corporate versus government actual war <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so all this information comes from a, a magazine that i found on issue.com which is like a it's a website for putting like uh magazines into like an interactive online form mm, okay um so i think this was supposed to be for like investors and shit mm-hmm. to figure out uh how they want to spend all their boulevards mm-hmm. um so I looked through. They had it has the top one hundred uh, companies, 
uh, by revenue, and then it has like the top companies by like industry sector, um, okay. yeah. yep. number of employees, right, and stuff like that. Okay, and um, you know, a lot of the top companies are food and beverage companies. So despite uh, there apparently being shortages uh, and people starving in the streets and eating rats and all that stuff, um, somehow I don't know how this could possibly happen let alone you know i don't think there's a connection or anything like that but mm-hmm. you know many of the largest companies in the country are food and beverage companies the ones yeah, that are supposed to be selling this I stuff was thinking that about they that. don't have and it's bizarre yeah it's weird how they're making uh, a lot of money for not having any food going on yeah with all these food shortages mm-hmm. um somehow they're making money hand over fist and growing at uh twelve thousand five hundred percent hmm you think they're cooking the books that's probably what it is, yeah. yeah. Or maybe they're maybe they're like, this must be the money laundering that the Bank of England oh, is suspecting, yeah. yeah. Or uh, maybe they're, um, you know, they're, 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 this is the, the perverse incentives that are created by by socialism have have led them to send the food elsewhere. Oh yeah. So they're okay. just selling the food to like Mexico or something, right? That makes right. sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense to me. Maybe they're selling the food to the U.S. troops who are in Colombia right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're just they were holding it until those, they got those, there. Those big American boys, yeah, those large American sons, <laughs> um, high, high beef intake. <laughs> and and just as an example of like, um, I'll get to this more later when we talk about the actual food shortages part. But um, one of the top food companies, uh, number seventy eight in terms of revenue. It's called uh, Charcuteria Venezuela, mm-hmm. which presumably they sell charcuterie, mm-hmm. that thing that is famously, you know, uh, staple food for yeah, poor right. people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that when you have sh- food shortages, that's the big thing that you want is, uh, <laughs> right. you know, charcuterie plates. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, these, these, uh, these fucking, uh, you know, bony, impoverished day laborers roll out of bed every, every morning and have fine meats and cheeses it, yeah. on a piece of fucking wood yeah yeah for breakfast yeah they make they make toilet wine and they have right, charcuterie right, with it right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um because you know just because you're starving doesn't mean you have to be you know unclassy yeah exactly i mean it's no way to live um so um again as we all know um you know venezuelan industry is 100 percent oil mm-hmm. uh, there's nothing else yeah they they actually you know, prior to uh, Hugo Chavez taking power and destroying the company or the country with, um, you know, bad economics and not understanding Econ 101 and supply and demand yeah. and all that stuff. Moron. Um, you know, prior to that, they had uh, some industry such as uh, steel, aluminum, cement, uh, small tech industry. Um, but now it's just 100% oil. Um mm-hmm. The they, food is made of oil. Yeah, the yeah. clothing is is fabricated. The charcuterie from, is made of oil. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Cargill actually is uh, there, despite being a uh, food and agricultural products company mm-hmm. here over there. They just sell oil. Um, yeah. So, um, <laughs> so uh, in terms of economic freedom, uh, which. You know, we, we, we like to know how economically free other countries are because, um, <laughs> right. as we know, the more economic freedom you have, the better uh-huh. your economy is, mm-hmm. uh, the freer the market, the freer the people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the more, um, 
porous and penetrable it is for the uh, thousands of American financial yeah. um, which, which is transactions good. that may want to occur. Yeah, yeah. which is good. Yeah, um, objectively. So how's it doing in economic freedom? Uh, well, according to the Heritage Foundation, which publishes uh, one of the many known uh, indexes of economic freedom. <laughs> totally unbiased. <laughs> uh, Venezuela is 179 out of 180 on the economic freedom index, being almost as evil and oppressive as North Korea, but not quite. <laughs> um, the details of this are pretty funny to me. Um, so uh, there's like a number of uh, of axes that they have on here. I'm just going to talk about two. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is rule of law, um, <laughs> which uh, I I looked up the phrase rule of law. It actually does mean something. It's not yeah, yeah, complete it's a, it's bullshit. Political science bullshit. Yeah, it, it basically means uh, whether or not uh, the people that are in power can like exercise power arbitrarily, um, or whether they're bound by certain rules that everyone yeah. else is. Uh, yeah, rule, rule of law is, is like yeah to 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 put it another way um it's kind of uh so it's it's the the classic dichotomy as i recall is rule of law versus rule of man so rule of man is arbitrary rule um and a kind of authoritarian rule of man is rule by the fellas yeah right exactly (laughs) and typically so um and then rule of law is what you you know more often see in the uh more recent um, recent in a general sense, I got a loose sense, um, historically recent, um, um, types of government such as liberal democracies, but also socialist and communist right. types of, you know, which where famously like, never devolve into arbitrary. Right. Yeah. None of them ever <laughs> do that. of power. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, cause yeah, rule of law is basically a kind of a, a sort of modern slash post enlightenment idea of like. You know, let's make it all rely on institutions and codes. Yeah. Right. So that any you want to make sure that people can't exercise arbitrary power, right. such as uh, you know pardoning their friends, right, or uh, creating executive orders, high positions of power. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, issuing executive orders, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, having dungeons full of women or private islands where they rape children all the time. Right. Right. Um, you know, uh, get a plea bargain where uh, they. Are uh, all their friends get immunity? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. All their friends and co-conspirators get immunity from yep. anything that uh, possibly happened. Yep. Uh, that kind of thing. You know, we yep. don't have that in, in our country. No, and and for that matter, you know, um, uh, you you know you 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 wouldn't want anybody having nearly sole discretionary power in the governance of like a corporation or anything. Yeah, or, or like or uh, you know the ability to influence. just take whatever they want from you legally. Right. Uh, when they pull you over for yep. any arbitrary thing, yeah, you know, like uh, yeah. your tail light is out, or, or shoot you I back smell seven marijuana. times and then check your pockets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have that. That would be a bad world to live in, yeah. and it's a good thing that we have rule of law. But to unfortunately, Venezuela us. doesn't. Right. So, uh, according to the Heritage Foundation, uh, weak <clears throat> institutions and a thoroughly politicized judiciary undermine property rights in Venezuela. Mm, property uh, rights. So contrast, huh? I said, mm, property rights. Oh, I thought I said properly rights or something Properly like that. rights. 
Uh, yeah, they undermine properly rights in Venezuela. Uh, contrast this with the U.S., which, according to the Heritage Foundation, property rights are guaranteed, yes. but protection has been uneven. Mm-hmm. For example, civil asset forfeitures by law enforcement and mm-hmm. an expansion of occupational licensing requirements have encroached mm-hmm. on property rights. Whose property rights? The judiciary functions independently and predictably. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah predictably in favor of property rights yes the judiciary is very predictable here yeah famously not devolving into screaming and crying about how it likes beer or anything like that so yeah uh, we're doing much better than venezuela yeah uh, in terms of rule of law um and then in terms of regulatory efficiency um according to uh, the Heritage Foundation in Venezuela, the labor market remains rigidly controlled and severely impedes dynamic employment creation. In other words, some prevention probably of total exploitation of the working class. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which fortunately we don't have that here. Yeah. Uh, good thing. Because <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, the freer I, I, the markets, the freer the people. Yeah. You know, if, if you could pull the ball gag out of my mouth for a couple seconds, I would thank you for the exploitation. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. So when we talk about the economy of something, um, you know, other than the economic freedom, uh, the second most important thing would be the, the currency, the unit of money, the, the currency that they use. So, Mm -hmm. uh, the currency in Venezuela is currently the VES, the Bolivar sovereign. Uh, before that it was the Bolivar and then the Bolivar Fuerte. Um, the currency is on a peg to the dollar, which basically means that mm-hmm. its exchange rate is fixed at a number of dollars, mm-hmm. which is currently officially at 172,800 bolivares per dollar. Um, that seems like a fair amount. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. However, there are black markets for bolivares uh, where you can get 3.8 million bolivares per dollar. Jesus Christ. Um, so... Not not doing too good there. Um, and despite the name, uh, the Bolivar sovereign is not really sovereign since it is a pegged currency. Um, yep. And since, uh, you know, Venezuela's main thing is oil mm-hmm. and oil is traded internationally on the dollar because of the Bretton Woods Agreement. Yep. Uh, which gives the U.S. just absolutely inordinate power yeah. in international finance and international relations of law the Bretton Woods agreement a law which enables a sovereign state to make other states less sovereign yes yeah um but it's a rule you know everyone has to follow it so yeah. it is rule so of law it's obviously just totally fair to everyone yeah right right um in 2018 Maduro also created a uh, cryptocurrency called the Petro uh which is supposed to be backed by Venezuelan oil and pegged to the boulevard, I did not write the number down, but, mm. you know, what are you going to do with that information anyway? Um, but unfortunately, unlike the good capitalist cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, mm-hmm. uh, with the socialist cryptocurrency, the only thing you can buy with it is Venezuelan crude. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, they actually recently tried to get India to um, sell them or to buy some oil for mm. Petro. Okay. Um, which they wanted them to exchange for rupees. Okay. Because they wanted to use the rupees to buy some stuff from India. Right. Uh, but the whole thing kind so, of fell apart. So uh, it sounds like they were trying to get a workaround for some sanctions or something. Is that kind of what that was? I I guess. 
Mike. Um, uh, that's what that's what the cryptocurrency was created for. Yeah, right. Um, so I think that's what work they were around, trying to do. Work around sanctions, or maybe work around the uh, the exchange rate on Bolivars, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's that's the currency. Um, okay. If you if you look uh, into the currency, there's like oh, tons of images this is like the journalist's favorite thing to take pictures of in venezuela mm. besides starving children right is people with just huge fucking fat stacks of cash right 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 yeah they it's, love that shit it's like with like fucking zimbabwe and shit in the in the old yeah. days like oh look at all the paper money they have to make you know yeah. it's like germany oh, wow, and they the have big grocery bags and, full of yeah, cash right, that's right. crazy yeah well it's 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 as if it's just like a result of natural processes running away because they weren't good enough somehow yeah yeah um <clears throat> Okay. And of course, uh, when we talk about the currency, uh, we all know about the, uh, the famous Venezuelan inflation. Um, mm. So first we'll go over the causes and then we'll go over how they actually measure this inflation. Um, so the causes uh, are uh, businesses raising prices. Now the measures, <laughs> as we know, yeah. <laughs> um, that's what inflation is: is yep. businesses Down raising prices. So uh, there's there's <clears throat> like despite uh, everyone saying that inflation in Venezuela is oh, it's caused by socialism and mm-hmm. government interfering in the market, nobody can explain how that works uh, because inflation ultimately is when prices go up, and the only way that prices go up is when businesses raise them. So. There's no real government policy that could make them do that other than if if the government said, all right, you all have to raise your prices now, <laughs> yeah. which they have not been doing. They've actually been yeah. doing the opposite of that. Yeah. So like, like, hey, chill out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so as for the measures, um, so until December 2014, the Banco Central de Venezuela, uh, Venezuela's central bank, uh, measured inflation regularly. Uh, I think it was on a monthly basis, if I remember right. Um, and, uh, it was actually a consumer price measure. So they actually took, mm-hmm. uh, goods like in the country, goods. Mm-hmm. observed the prices of them mm-hmm. with, you know, in reality and not according to a model or anything like that. Right. Um, so they yeah. took actual data. Um, and th- there's actually like uh, quite a lot of inflation data. Um, you know, not quite as much as the federal reserve, but pretty mm-hmm. close, pretty close, mm-hmm. pretty close, close. Um, <laughs> but now uh, since December 2014, uh, inflation is actually measured by a Cato Institute project uh, managed by Stephen Hankey. Fucking Cato. Um, so here's a quote from him on their methodology. So how do we actually measure Venezuela's inflation? There is only one reliable way. The most important price in an economy is the exchange rate between the local currency, in this case, the Bolivar, and the world's reserve currency, the U.S. dollar. Some fucking libertarian. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> as long as there is an active black market, and he puts in parentheses, oh, yes. read uh, free, free market. Free market. Like, <laughs> hmm. What a fucking chode. Is it, yeah. is it a free market, dude? Have you actually looked at who controls the black market? Yeah. <laughs> As long as there is an active black market for currency and the data are available, changes in the black market exchange rate can be reliably transformed into accurate measurements of countrywide inflation rates. The economic principle of purchasing power parity allows for this transformation. My favorite. Yes. My fucking favorite. (laughs) And the application of PPP to measure elevated inflation rates is rather simple. Beyond the theory of PPP, 
the intuition of why PPP represents the quote gold standard <laughs> for measuring inflation during I read a book once <laughs> for measuring inflation during a hyperinflation episodes it's clear all items in an economy that are hyperinflating are either priced in a stable foreign currency the US dollar or a local currency the bolivar nice if goods are priced in terms of bolivars those prices are determined by referring to the dollar price of goods and then converting them to local boulevard prices after checking with the spot black market exchange rate. I'm sure that's what people are doing. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's another thing people roll out of bed and do immediately yeah. over their uh, boards of charcuterie I need right to before their 12-hour work day. Yeah. What's, what's the black market exchange rate of the boulevard and the dollar? <laughs> sorry, that's the free market exchange oh, oh, sorry, rate. The, what's the free market exchange rate? Let's <laughs> <laughs> check in with our local uh, fucking gang lord and ask. And, and by the way, this is a guy who's his whole thing, his whole project... Uh, is getting countries to adopt a currency board system, which means pegging their country to a f- or their currency to a foreign <laughs> currency. So he's saying well, that Venezuela that's not is a free market. Pretty hard right now. <laughs> <laughs> so he's but saying yeah. he's saying that having a pegged currency means that it's not a free market. The black market is the real free market. Yeah, and yet that's his whole the, project. The libertarian. He brags sex about like doing this in like Hungary and shit, and like <laughs> exactly. all these Eastern European countries, yeah. and and that's what improves black their economy. The it's like, okay. But now he's saying, oh no, Venezuela shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't peg their currency. What, mm-hmm. are, what are they crazy? You know what's funny about this too is that like, um, the black market slash free market. Like that's that's the sort of shit that's often leveled uh, by the same fucking set of people, as far as I can see. Uh, same set of people criticize things like the Soviet Union for all its faults, whatever. Like they criticize the Soviet Union and be like, "Well, you know, I mean, they did all this communism, but then people still had a black market because they needed shit." And yeah, <laughs> and you're like, "But if you're saying that the black market is the free market, then you're saying that basically they, and like they induced like good things." even though they instituted your libertarian paradise right right is what you're so saying. so what's the <laughs> fucking problem here you know <clears throat> yeah and then here i don't know it's it's weird and inconsistent yeah. um so I, I forgot where my place was but basically this is why ppp holds and why we can use high frequency daily data to calculate venezuela's infra- inflation rate even during episodes of hyperinflation so mm-hmm. so in order to measure inflation um Steve Hankey is uh, taking these the black market spot price of the Boulevard to dollar exchange rate. Seems very roundabout. Yeah, it makes no fucking sense at all. It's like, how about this? Uh, call thirty people in Caracas every day and say, "How much did you pay for milk today?" Yeah, and then write it down or like type it into your fucking spreadsheet. And the percent change will tell you what that fucking is. But then he wouldn't be able to get those sweet numbers. Yeah. So those black market goodies. Yeah. He wants those those companies with four point eight trillion boulevards of revenue <laughs> to be determining what the rate of inflation is, even more so than they actually like practically materially are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, as we established, he is a chode. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and unsurprisingly, he works with the IMF and World Bank. Isn't uh, that weird? Of course he does. What a weird coincidence. Hmm, interesting. I wonder if there's any relation the IMF, there. IMF. <laughs> what a place. Yeah. Yeah. 
the IMF is way up there with institutions Notorious I don't for fucking helping trust. Latin American yeah, economies exactly. <laughs> and making them good. <laughs> exactly. The IMF is like uh, the the NGO version of Littlefinger from Game of Thrones. Um, I forget. I don't think you've watched the show. I've, I've no, watched okay. six episodes. Okay. Of it, okay. So. so anyway, so. But they're like, you I'm know, sure it's a great reference <laughs> for people who watch the fucking show because he's like, he's, you know, he's a, he's a money guy. He's a fucking weasel. Yeah. And he's always like, let's make a deal. Yeah, this is good for you. And then he's like, but at the same time, he's like, you probably shouldn't trust me, though. And they're like, well, I mean, what? And then he's like, ha ha ha, I fucked you over, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, and you're constantly just like, dude, just fucking fuck you. Like. See, yeah, Peter comes back on the show. You guys are going to have a whole conversation as they go over oh, my head. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he watches Game well, We're just going to sideline you <laughs> on your own podcast. <laughs> 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 Which is much what Guaido is trying to do in Venezuela, you know. Yeah, start, yeah. start his own podcast. Basically, yeah. yeah. Um, podcast within a podcast. Okay, so uh, what, is, what is the actual poverty rate? The poverty rate. Why poverty. am I so bad at talking today? <laughs> on top of like my voice sucking i just can't <laughs> say anything i don't think you said too bad today um oh it hurts really bad but uh, I'll, I'll make it through just drink harder yeah uh so okay what is the poverty rate in venezuela according to income the poverty rate is very high about 30 percent, which is that's mm-hmm. that's pretty high okay mm-hmm. um but according to non-monetary indicators like access to education overcrowding and homelessness uh, the poverty rate is much lower, only around 10%, mm-hmm. which is still high. Mm-hmm. Um, probably about the same as this country, though, I would say. Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about, like, yeah, the, the you know, non-income indicators. Yeah, I mean, I the median thinking, income here is $50,000. and Yeah, median. That's like... Yeah. That's like that's not exactly enough it's to not representative. a lot of places. Yeah, yeah, because median is not, you know, like uh, like the mode. Right. Right. And and the mode is not even like the the range within the interquartile range. Yes, right. Yes, yeah. and the interquartile range isn't even the sample size. Yeah. So, so like, you know, fuck. What are we even talking about? Going all over the yeah. place. Jesus I'm, yeah, I'm, Christ! I'm totally lost. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, put a gun in my mouth. <laughs> Trigger warning. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, median value theorem and Poisson distribution all the other shit chi squared yeah i i actually didn't do very much with stats i just did like the basic requirements uh-huh. um and then and then was like wait this is all smoke and mirrors <laughs> i actually did i mean like i actually it, did there's a lot of five dimensional shit, but, stats yeah nice so i know just a little bit more than you mm-hmm. i would say mm-hmm. um I, I did quantum statistics which God that's dang. where it gets real crazy yeah because things can be both a median and a mean and a mode mm-hmm. all at the same time. But you don't know which one it is until you observe the stat. Mm-hmm. And then it collapses the wave function and becomes one or the other. I just <laughs> throw up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, either either way, the poverty rate is not the, the fantasy of the right where everyone is plague-ridden and hobbling around the streets <laughs> killing rats with sharpened sticks for their dinner. <laughs> yeah Um, seriously they just the fucking right wing just like they they actually make that reality whenever they can yeah but then they believe that that's the reality for everyone else in the world who isn't ruled by them right it's bizarre yeah 
They're just like as as, as soon as somebody within their own society is plague ridden, hobbling around, sh- you know, like killing fucking wild animals for food because they can't do anything else. They're like, it serves you right for being so lazy. And you're like, dude, yeah. I, I I haven't slept. Yeah, I've been I've been hunting wild street creatures. I killed my own brother. You yeah, like, you're like what the fuck? It's you know? like that whole thing with uh, with Nazis and Holocaust denial. Like, yeah, oh my the god. right can't decide if yeah. if people are actually or if people are not yet, uh, mm-hmm. you know, plague ridden and mm-hmm. eating wild animals mm-hmm. for food, or uh, if you know that should have happened and it's actually good or right. whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's whatever it's, the phrase was. There, yeah, yeah. What was it? I was having a conversation with. Uh, um, co-worker of mine at the cafe today and he's like extremely philosophical and we were talking that's about that's how i am too well yeah you know but but i mean we're talking about like yeah yeah, yeah. uh we we're talking about like oh, uh, oh i'm not i'm not as lofty as as this guy well technically no <laughs> like he's he's a very like like very like deeply academic guy so like he'll just like rattle off a bunch of of like deep western theoretical cuts you know oh, and you're just oh, like, like oh like socrates oh no, no and, not even like that like plato i mean he probably and, could and diogenes <laughs> yeah i know see yeah. i know philosophy my philosophy too i'm just as good maybe, as him maybe i'll drag you in sometime how, how about and have Kierkegaard? You talk. yeah well you know there's that guy Kierkegaard, you know good at talking about spirituality anyway marry or do not marry you will forget you will regret it either way <laughs> <laughs> pretty sure he cribbed that from somebody else <laughs> yeah it's that's uh, an old one from the movie noe albinoy actually <laughs> um so poverty is uh more significant in rural rural i can never fucking say this world word Oh my fucking god. Nice. Poverty is more significant in rural areas. <laughs> However, it should be noted that uh, Venezuela is a very urbanized country with about 90% of the country's population being urban compared to Brazil, uh, which we generally think of as a giant, smoky, dirty, nasty slum, uh, which is only 85% urban. Mm. And uh, Mexico is only 80% urban. Mm. Mm. So. Um, it's actually one of the most urban countries in South America. Yeah. Um, well, it's a good thing they have socialism then. Yeah. And, and most importantly, of course, what we all want to know, uh, the internet access, uh, 44% of the population of Venezuela has internet access, but the average speed is only 1.6 megabits per second. So they probably can't even play Fortnite. Well, so they truly do have poverty there. Then, then they deserve <laughs> sanctions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one is allowed to sell any Fortnite dances to <laughs> Venezuela. <laughs> oh, and the world average uh, internet speed is twenty megabyte megabits per second. So, just in case you were wondering, uh, it's well below the average. Yeah, but that's like that's mostly you know South Korea's fault for. Yeah, such a they bring up the standard. average by like yeah. eighty. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, eh, whatever. It's it's cool. It's whatever. We're all getting brain cancer, but it's 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 fun along the way. Yeah. <laughs> um. So of course, the typical explanation for why Venezuela's economy is in shambles <laughs> is that it's based entirely on oil. Um. You know, they just uh, they got rid of everything in the country uh, and just put it all into oil. And the price of oil essentially determines whether people live or die. Um, so uh, pretty much the rest of this, all of the quotes that I have are from uh, this article from Monthly Review called The Politics of Food in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Ooh. 
Excuse me. Um, and so I'm just going to read directly from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, petroleum is uh, central to the dominant narrative, which claims that the Chavez government won its popularity on the strength of high oil prices and personal charisma, while Maduro's relative unpopularity is attributable to the plunge in prices and political ineptitude. Once again, this familiar story distorts the facts in key ways. First, as economist Luis Salas has shown, although oil prices did indeed rise for much of Chavez's presidency, its peak at or around $100 a barrel was an aberration that occurred in the last stage of Chavez's presidency between 2010 and 2012, whereas the average price per barrel over the course of his presidency was closer to 55 per barrel. Which is pretty much where it's at now. Yeah. Like, that's the normal price. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually rather cheap. <laughs> um, second, the shortages that have attracted such interest are, in fact, part of a broader trend seen over the course of the Boulevard Revolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, through both periods of high and low oil prices, and particularly at politically heightened moments such as the lead-up to elections. Mm -hmm. Furthermore, the most recent shortages did not begin in 2014 when oil prices dropped, but before in 2013 while prices were still high. Mm -hmm. Um, So we can't really blame uh, the centrality of oil in the Venezuelan economy on the actual problems that it's experiencing um, that would be absurd. Yeah. Because the whole point, <clears throat> as far as I understand it, of money is supposed to be like, it doesn't matter what you produce because you can just <clears throat> sell it for money and then trade for all the stuff that you need. Yeah. That's like the whole point of the market, according to economists. Yeah. I have coconuts well, and you have bananas. It's funny because, exactly. <laughs> so I'm glad you brought it up that way because um, that's like the first thing that you learn in things like. Um, um, international trade pretty much any way you slice it because there are certain dynamics that seem at least in a market way to uh, work universally regardless of what you're doing yeah so like um, comparative advantage you know like Ricardian stuff which is yeah. like you know Marx and um, other like liberal economists all Save took law. the same yeah exactly yeah. so all it's like stuff. all this really like simple interesting dynamics that at least again in a market seem to work in a particular way and the um yeah so they suggest generally that you're like oh you know like specialize in the things that you're good at and that you have advantages in right you know and then you'll be enriched because you'll be able to use that into a greater degree to a greater advantage and like you said trade for whatever else you need that you don't necessarily make for yourself or that you just like you make nominally but don't really have you know a huge bulk in in your industry yeah if 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 anyone listening doesn't know comparative advantage is um in i think it was the 17th century or the 18th century Mm -hmm. um there was a theory that uh since a country like England mm-hmm. uh, is very rich in a country like, I don't know, Ghana or something like that is, is uh, comparatively poor. Uh, Britain would always come out ahead in every trade. Right. Internationally. Yep. But the theory of comparative advantage uh, was that actually uh, if uh, England trades with a poorer country, mm-hmm. both countries become better off. Right. And uh, England doesn't you know, just stay ahead of the other country. And this is basically what's driven 
um, the kind of um, liberal economics yeah. ever since. This yeah. idea that like it's, we just I mean, have to trade with it's everyone based on utility. Exactly. And they're saying, oh, like, <clears throat> oh, they they become richer in utility. <laughs> right. It's like, like, what the fuck? What? Okay. Well, I can't pay my rent it, with it, fucking utility, it, 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 you asshole. So yeah, exactly. Like, is this it's some kind of weird spiritual idea? <laughs> well, and and plus, like, um, it kind of. Uh, it kind of doesn't really uh, mesh with the idea that I think is more applicable, which is like laws of thermodynamics, Yeah, you know, where it's like, look, if you're trading goods or energy, including labor, um, if you have less, you just have less. And if you have more, then you have more, you know, and there's ways to uh, get, you know, as we know through say conquest or domination, Mm. get one thing, get more of one thing by doing another thing. Right. Um, but it's not simply, you know, this fucking uh, sort of simplistic theory of like, if we just trade freely, quote unquote freely, then um, we'll all come out on top as long as we all make the right rational decisions, you right. know. Uh, but that that basically cleanses their conscious, consciences of any kind of uh, wrongdoing or uh, abuse or, again, domination through, yeah. say, like economic means. Because they just assume at that point, like, well... You know, if if we're operating on that theory, that hypothesis, uh, as as a, as a reality, then any disadvantage or any like blowback or anything that you suffer is your fucking fault, right? Right, for for being wrong somehow, yeah. You know, and I, you know, I'm not even going to think about the the amount of power I should have, have been more financially responsible, yeah, shit like that, yeah, it's constant bullshit like that. Yep. Um, Let's see. Oh yeah. So I was thinking about this other thing, which is the um, the oil curse, um, which is, or more generally, the resource curse. Yes, the resource curse. Yeah. Right. So the resource curse being a concept of, um, you know, oh, like economies, um, regional or national, you know, economies that base themselves around like a single resource, you know, and that like rely on that. Yeah. Um, they don't develop like the strong, uh, institutions and, and like market and everything else that's necessary for them to be sort of sturdy and robust right? and all this other shit. Um, so that like, uh, then they, uh, they kind of have disadvantages like social disadvantages and even other economic disadvantages because they have to continue to rely on what they've basically gone all in on right right? and so you think about this is like a classic critique of like the arabic economies like the you know at least like the saudi economy and like um the the other arabian peninsula economies like the uae and stuff because they're that's the other thing we haven't mentioned is like if you want a country that's completely based on yeah. oil, look no further than Saudi look no fucking Arabia. Look no further than extremely hierarchical, patriarchal... Who literally didn't have taxes until like two years ago. Yeah, rape supporting, they, women are chattel, <laughs> beheading people in the square country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's socialism that's bad. And it's the ally actually. of the United States and all that shit. <laughs> Even though it's diametrically opposed to the interests of Israel, at least on paper. Yeah. Um... But that's spend the all thing. their money on weapons, right? Like, what the fuck is all this? You know, yeah. well, they spend all their money on the weapons we, that, we, that we sell them. Yes, right. yes, just like Israel again. Yeah. Um, but the funny thing is, yeah, like like uh, Venezuela uh, was. I don't know much about like the economic history of Venezuela um, until say maybe the you know the recent years, but Venezuela was part of the kind of broader you know um, South American. 
um, um, revolutionary scene, you know, is one of these areas that was like liberated through the Bolivarian revolutions and everything like yeah. that. Um, <clears throat> but they had a fucking, you know, as colonial as it was, they had a fucking functioning self-sufficient economy, more or less long before oil was a thing. Right. Right. Saudi Arabia, for example, you know, they had their own kind of like Bedouin economy and everything like that, but they had nothing like, um, as far as I've, I've read, uh, which is also very little, unfortunately. So I'm, I'm trying to like hedge my bets here with my, with what I'm saying. And I'm not trying to like step on anybody, but they, they, they weren't it was still what, a big ass pile of sand it was, it was still a big ass pile of sand right they, they weren't what you would call uh for better or worse uh modern even though they had their own way of subsisting which yeah. i think you know sure fine great if that's what they wanted to do but then you know through the various processes of the earliest 20th early 20th century um oil and the saudis became entangled and it became a way for them to prop up Saudi power. And Saudi means like the tribe of Saud. Like that's a specific name. Yeah. You know, when people talk about Saudi Arabia, that's just, it's Arabia as ruled by the Sauds. Yeah. Right. So like never f- fucking it's forget like if, that. It's like if the Achiha clan took over yeah. the leaf village. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Um, or, or if suddenly we just admitted it and said, you know, called it like it's kind of like saying Trump's America. You know, yeah, um, but in a much more formal way. Yeah, it's it's as if we literally changed the name to the United Trump States America. of Trump's America. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and um and rolled it as such. Yeah, and um and you know and everything was run through real estate somehow. Uh, and and yet, yeah, they're not getting fucking called on the carpet for propping up a fucking diabolical regime that sawed somebody to death in a Turkish embassy just for saying some shit allegedly well yeah yeah allegedly yeah allegedly sawed someone up not allegedly saying some shit (laughs) right exactly yeah um and so forth and so on and so like oh you know the the fucking resource curse and the oil curse and you know and yet you know there's there's no critique or or there's there's no like mainstream criticism of, of of like the saudi regime for example uh that isn't at least quickly swept under the rug but Venezuela, oh no, they're they're socialist, even though it's like, well, it's pretty light socialism. I mean, yeah. and they also have a pre-existing economy that was running on its own just fine. And yeah. then oil's like, oh, oil's a thing. Let's make money on oil. You right. know, like fuck. <laughs> and also, once again, uh, the largest company in the country is an American multinational corporation. <laughs> yeah, never forget that either. <laughs> Holy shit. So- um <laughs> all right so we've come to the uh the the big the really big part uh mm-hmm. which is the food shortages yes um venezuelan diet yeah so there are definitely real food shortages um you know it's not it's not completely made up mm-hmm. um Venezuela has replaced the USSR in the public conscious as the socialist country synonymous with breadlines and mass starvation. Um, so are there really food shortages because of socialism? Um, Charcuterie says no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one thing becomes evident when trying to figure out why there are food shortages. Uh, one side of the argument, which is it's not because of socialism, has specific reasons and evidence uh, while the other doesn't go very far beyond socialism slash Maduro did it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So on the side of, uh, you know, socialism didn't do it. It's economic sanctions and that kind of shit. Uh, there's like ample evidence. Um, I, I didn't link any in here stupidly, but, uh, <laughs> there's there's ample evidence of intentional withholding and destruction of food by right-wing factions in the country. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, for example, uh, anti-Maduro opposition members <clears throat> uh, regularly burn and hoard food. Jesus Christ. So you can like you can go look up videos in Venezuela where there will be like like literal like a warehouse full of food that they just burn. Uh, which, you know, that's of course what people would do when they're protesting the government because of food shortages, right? They burn all the food yeah. that they suddenly got access to. Yeah. It's, it's funny because it, it kind of reminds me of, um, it's, it's weirdly very similar to all the talk that we have in just anti-capitalist, uh, 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 discourse yeah. about uh, creation of false scarcity where yeah. you know uh, was it uh, fucking Kropotkin who was talking about like you know at, in, in his day and age it was like some company would just dump oysters into the bay s- just to keep it from becoming cheap enough to become a, like a working class food they were like yeah we want oysters to be special so we caught too much too many oysters so we're just dumping them all in the bay and keeping it like scarce that's awesome right you're like holy fuck like yeah. they just wasted all that food because they believe so much in just just in scarcity and also because they want to make that fucking profit the like premium margin yeah that they're just like now instead of having a lot because there was a lot we would rather like maintain like a fucking facade yeah in order to squeeze like big dollars out of big dollar people right and you're like wow you should all be fucking murdered yeah like today agreed or 200 years ago for that matter <laughs> you know Never too late. Never too late. Start today, kids. <laughs> yeah. Join the Boy Scouts and learn how to shoot. And so, uh, like the oysters, mm-hmm. uh, the shortages in Venezuela only affect the poor. Yep. Uh, Classic. For example, um, one of the uh, big things in, that the article from Monthly Review explains is um, the history of... Uh, I can't remember the name. Oh, Arepas. Um, mm mm-hmm. The history of Arepas in Venezuela. Uh, so back when Venezuela was a uh, giant colony, mm-hmm. uh, most likely a sugar plantation or yep. something like that. Most likely. Um, yeah. Like what we discussed recently. Uh, yes. Um, Arepas were basically the slave food. Um, so what it is, is it's uh, corn that has been uh, dehusked and mm-hmm. milled. Mm-hmm and processed uh to the point where it's basically just uh empty calories and then they they grind that into flour and then they cook the flour Mm -hmm. and then they form the uh, cooked flour into uh like little cakes called arepas and then cook those okay um and so that's the staple food in venezuela's arepas okay so um the most important food ingredient for a poor person in Venezuela who would be most likely a descendant of Venezuelan slaves right. uh, would be pre-cooked corn flour, mm-hmm. um, which uh, it, was, it was made by one company uh, so much that the company's name became synonymous with uh, pre-cooked corn flour, which is Arena. 
Mm. Um, H-A-R-I-N-A. Um, and so uh, the, the major food shortage in Venezuela is pre-cooked corn flour. Um, but on the other hand, uh, there's no shortage of corn porridge, uh, which is something that's primarily eaten by the middle and upper class. Right. Um, there's uh, no shortage of food items in restaurants, but there are in grocery stores. Mm-hmm. So obviously rich people eat at restaurants instead of grocery stores mm-hmm. and the restaurants have no problem getting food. Right. Um, and uh, the food shortages affect uh, staple foods, but not uh, luxury foods like charcuterie. Right. So mm. speaking again of margins. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it never ceases to stun me. I mean, it's like I've always been aware of it, but it just like amazes me the 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 casual contempt that like the upper class has for everyone else. Yeah. And it's like that kind of toxic fucked up like disposition toward your own species is just uh, to to take the phrase from from um from tom on on trillbilly workers party the rich are deeply diseased yeah you know like that's just it that's just it's a it's a fucking disease and it's become hereditary uh and and it's just yeah there was that um that study where they looked they observed where uh people in different classes looked when they walked down the street Mm -hmm. and poor people tend to look at other people on the street and rich people just tend to look at stuff yeah it's fucked up right yeah. yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Um, yep. Pretty great shit. Yeah. Um, what a bunch uh, of fucking freaks. One of the interesting things about uh, the pre-cooked corn flour thing is um, Pilar, a Venezuelan subsidiary of PepsiCo, mm-hmm. um, is, uh, well, according to the article... At the time, um, I'm not sure what measure they use, but uh, it's the largest private company in the country. Maybe they mean non-public, but um, mm-hmm. it controls an estimated 50 to 60 percent of Venezuela's supply of pre-cooked corn flour. Uh-huh. So over half of the supply of staple grain is in the hands of a single company. And uh, that means that, you know socialism is the reason there's food shortages of course right yeah it's all because of trying to share right (laughs) shouldn't have done that (laughs) shouldn't have shouldn't have shared yeah it's a bad idea because then everybody will have something to eat look what you made me do god you you made me burn all the food stores and jack the price up specifically the food for people who don't have enough ever yeah yeah um I never did find find a um, an explanation for the toilet paper situation and whether rich people have ample access to toilet paper. I'm assuming they just use bidets and they don't even need it. So, yeah, well, they probably have a slave that just licks their asses clean. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> yeah, yes, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's we, definitely we've what, decided that's, that's definitely what the situation in the um, Venezuelan upper class. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, it's a lot like America that way. <laughs> yeah. So uh, just as another piece of evidence, 
against the uh, socialism causing food shortages thing. Um, a representative from Polar um, in 2016 spoke of the recent addition of new products such as teas and gelatins to their Venezuelan lines. Okay. Uh, so they're adding luxury products yeah. as mm-hmm. as people are unable to buy their main food. Mm-hmm. Um, so Maduro has actually been trying to do shit about this. Um, there's uh, organizations that he created um, on the local level that mm-hmm. sell subsidized food to people. Um, cool, but it can't it can't deal with all of it. Right, and, and part of the right. problem. Part of the problem is that, um, I mean, like this is a huge, long, complex historical problem that stems from the plantation model that it originated with. But yeah. basically, um, the country uh, imports almost all of its food. So like Japan. Well, sorry. Japan imports a lot of rice. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, okay. Um, so since the boulevard is pegged to the dollar and is not very strong. Right. Uh, it has trouble importing that stuff, Mm -hmm. especially surely now that there's a bunch of sanctions on them and Mm -hmm. you're not supposed to do business. American troops piling into the fucking. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So that's basically, um, what the deal with the food shortages is. Mm hmm. So, um, you know, I would love, sorry, Go ahead. thinking about these American troops again and like how so many American troops come from the, um, less than middle class. Right. Um, and like, what, what would they think if they learned all this, you know, I know that like a lot of them are just fucking white racist bullshit, but like, what would a lot of the others actually think? If it was like, oh, yeah, by the way, did you know that, like, this is what's going on? And, like, you're here to potentially support a bunch of fucking asshole middle class and upper class gangsters who have been intentionally starving, like, the hard workers who are the Venezuelan analog to your own fucking family. Right. You know? Um, now, I'm a little biased, but if I if I had to guess, I would think their response would be, <laughs> yeah, probably. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, the last thing is, um, what should uh, and I want to try and do more of this. Like, uh, what what should the policy be for the left about mm. you know whatever we're talking about self immolation. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what should left foreign policy be regarding Venezuela? Mm-hmm. I think most obviously anti interventionism is the bare minimum litmus test for being. Uh, you know, for being a left foreign policy regarding Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Um, the CIA should be withdrawn from every Latin American country, especially <laughs> Venezuela. Um, and also it should be dissolved and its members should be thrown into the Darvaza gas crater. Yes. Um, but the bare minimum, uh, no, no intervention in Venezuela. Um, I also think that sanctions should be lifted since as the state department themselves said, the goal is to destroy Venezuela's economy, and so that's a form of intervention. Right. Um, I also think they there should be uh, an investigation into businesses that sell products that are scarce, like Polar mm-hmm. and Cargill. <clears throat> yeah, and luxury products, rare things. products, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, I think there should also be uh, offers of temporary food relief mm-hmm. and uh, grants to help poor and indigenous Venezuelans achieve food security by mm-hmm. building their own agricultural system that is not just modeled after the old plantation system. Yeah, yeah, honestly, I mean, yeah. Now, if I were a, a clever person who had, you know, clout somehow in, in, in these things, I would also suggest, like... Don't tell me you're a clout chaser now. Um, no, I'm not. I, <laughs> I'm not a clout chaser. No, I'm just, I'm like a clout fantasizer. Um, <laughs> if I were a, you know, if I were... So, uh, you know, what if... <clears throat> What if in order to uh, solve this quote-unquote crisis at the border, uh-huh. big fat heavy quotes on that, um, we just like gave uh, gave Venezuela like real incentives to just take all those people into Venezuela and take care of them yeah. and be like, oh, we'll go soft on you. Like if we, if you just like take all these people. Now that would be a real political solution, even if it wasn't a good or perfect one. Right. They'd be like, oh, yeah, we just, like, did some diplomacy in the classic sense, yeah. right? Like, oh, you know, there's a bunch of people who are running from... But, like, they'll probably be much more comfortable in Venezuela than, like, in fucking, you know, Texas. Yeah. Or Tennessee or wherever the fuck else. But everything's bigger in Texas. Well, that's true, you know. How yeah. could you not be more Texas, comfortable? Texas is an ever-expanding paradox of... If you had a regular-sized chair in Venezuela, <laughs> you would have a, a throne in Texas. True, yeah. So yeah. that's why they guard it all so jealously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Food relief grants um, definitely could go a long way. Um, yep. And also like, I don't know if, if we fucking actually send our fucking troops in, which it just like sounds like a goddamn nightmare, you know, hopefully they get mowed down. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully they just, you know yeah oh wait or, sorry sorry uh it would be funny if they got mowed down yeah that's the better i way hope they it. don't but I it would hope. be funny to me yes yes if they what did a, what a hilarious sketch that would be <laughs> if a bunch of people dressed in soldiers uniforms yeah for comedy's sake yeah would be shot by fake bullets yeah um and then Venezuelan troops then <clears throat> came to the u.s uh for a nice baseball game with yes our congress yes uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> Except for like Rokana and Ilan Omar and AOC and right, they Sanders. stay home that day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for they're not big fans of baseball, party. so <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's all I have for Venezuela. Yeah, you have more than I did, which was all of it. <laughs> I learned a lot tonight. <laughs> um, so I highly recommend reading that monthly review article. It's very long and very mm-hmm. detailed, but it's it's really good. Nice little rundown. Um, it's a it's a pretty good example of how to integrate uh, history and uh, the knowledge of modern uh, the modern state of things into. Uh, one explanatory article. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of sources in there. Um, so it's not just like some guy's blog. Uh, it's <laughs> right. actually a serious article. Um, yeah. Um, anything else we have to talk about? Um, I mean, Northam and Blackface. Northam and Blackface. Oh. <laughs> Did you see what he said earlier today? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Uh, he calls this press conference. Uh, if you if you aren't aware, uh, mm-hmm. my my governor, uh, Governor Ralph <laughs> Northam. Uh, Not it was, my governor. <laughs> it was discovered that in his medical school yearbook, uh, uh-huh. so not even like his high school yearbook or anything like yeah. that, um, in his medical school yearbook, on his page, there is a picture of a man in blackface uh, <laughs> with a man in a KKK uniform. Oh, my fucking God. Uh, so he called a press conference today to address uh, this this problem. And... Uh, he said, uh, actually, uh, there was a time I was in blackface, and it was during a talent show uh, where I was uh, Michael Jackson, uh, what? and uh, I only put a little bit of blackface on, and uh, also I won the competition because I could moonwalk. <laughs> oh, shit. And he said the reason he only put a little bit of blackface on was because he knew that it's impossible to get shoe polish off of your face. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, <laughs> what a fucking idiot, yeah, man! Yeah. Like Ralph, why? <laughs> what why? a fucking dope! Yeah, what a fucking dope, man! Oh my god! Um, so yeah, uh, Ralph Northam resigned, bitch, and uh, that's all I really have to say today. <laughs> yeah, I think that's everything. All right. Uh, if you enjoyed that, uh, check out our other episodes, um, neighborsciencepodcast.com. Uh, give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, four, or f- four or five stars only. Um, I'll, I'll use the, um, the Rob Rousseau uh, suggestion. If you're going to give us anything less than four or five stars, go to Ben Shapiro's uh, iTunes page and <laughs> give it to him instead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm at Handle of Rye. Chris is at Solidarity underscore Goth. Um, our Twitter, our uh, podcast Twitter account is at NeighborSciPod. And then we're at um, on everything else as just Neighbor Science. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Check us out. Thank you. Thanks Bye. for listening. Bye.